Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. This is our series, Dialogues, where in each episode, I'm sitting down with a different guest to dialogue about a different theological topic. Today's topic is going to be creation, and I've got a treat for you all. Because I have a voice here with me today that you all have not heard here on the show in a very long time. He's the host of Buddy Walk with Jesus, Kingdom on the Road, and the most recently added Shell Shock, a TMNT series, Joe Day. Joe, welcome back. It's been so Thanks, long. Man. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad to be back. So uh, for those of you who may have missed it, because like I said, it's been a while, Joe was on the show back during Systematic Theology 2, where we had a great time discussing how end times media affected our theology uh, growing up there in the 90s and early 2000s, talking about Left Behind, Revelation Road, that... uh, cringy books that joe read that said that tony blair was the antichrist who would have thought (laughs) he's such a nice looking guy um right today we're here for something completely different and the reason why i invited you joe is because over at kingdom on the road you and the rest of the hosts have been doing this really cool series where you've been working your way through the book of genesis kind of like section by section answering the question how do i read this you know whatever section you're in right now so just to kind of get things started why did you choose to do this series and where are you guys at right now so we as we were unpacking different core concepts we realized along the way that there was a group of people listening to us that didn't really know how to engage with two-thirds of their Bible. And so we dialed it back and said, okay, how let's let's work on demystifying the Old Testament for folks and go through and and build out, help people build the tools, the reps to be able to uh, work their way through this. And so we've been going through, like you said, section by section. Right now we're in the patriarchs. We are mm. We are wrapping up Jacob's story and starting to transition into Joseph. Oh, nice. So getting right near the end there is the uh, is the plan to keep on going through the the rest of the Old Testament or have you guys talked that through yet? Yeah, we're heading we're going to head into Egypt next and um, head into the exorcist, the, the exodus story. Um and and keep going from there throughout the entire Old Testament. That's exciting. That's really cool. And people can check that out on Facebook Live, right? Kingdom on the Road's Facebook page. Uh, you can either look us up on Kingdom on the Road on Facebook, or you can head over to the YouTubes and uh, look up Kingdom on the Road there as well. There's a channel there. Perfect. Maybe I'll. I should probably throw a link in the description. So if those of you listening to this, if you want to go find it, we'll link to the YouTube channel. So, Joe, to get our dialogue started today about creation, a a lot of pastors and theologians, they encourage believers to not hold on to all of their theology in a tight palm equally, but you oftentimes hear this idea of like having it in tiers. So these are like first tier things that we believe that like 
you have to be a Christian. If you're believing these things, you are a Christian. Then you have second tier where it's like, okay, yeah, we can disagree a little bit, but that's probably going to cause some tension and fellowship. And then third tier where it's like a lot of grace open to interpretation for you personally, when it comes to this topic of creation, where do you personally, where would you put that? Is that like a mandatory, we all have to agree about this thing? Or is it more of like, uh, there's a lot of grace, a lot of openness when it comes to this? So the reality is, and this is when we addressed, when we started addressing Genesis, we the first thing that we needed to do was address the fact that we that there's so many different ways to interpret these stories because the thing to remember is this is pre-law this is pre mm. um what what most people think of from a historical standpoint with the old testament these are oral traditions that have been passed out, passed down generation to generation to generation. And so when you look at this Jewish literature, the, the truth is that you may have your own means of interpreting it, but there are several. And so for me, I, I have my opinions. Mm-hmm. As far as creation goes, but I hold those with a loose hand that I, I may have it entirely wrong because at the end of the day, how the world came about in its strictest sense has absolutely nothing to do with theology prime, plus okay. or minus a historical adam and eve that's about the that that's about the core concept that i would hold on to to say no i mean if there's no historical adam and eve then large sections of the new testament start to fall apart and all of that but outside of that no i think this is one of those lots of grace lots of mercy let's have a conversation let's talk about how what what this tells us about our God, how our God mm. interacts with man, all of that kind of stuff, more so than trying to read a specific theory or a specific hypothesis into our understanding of creation. I think that's a good point you raised there. I agree with you. Um, this is, for me, I have my opinions. I have where I know where I land. But yeah, this is more of a a third tier, like a lot of grace, a lot of mercy. Uh, we probably have all heard that person before that has said, if you can't take literally these first two chapters of the, of the Bible, then how can you believe the rest of what the book says? And right. sadly, even when that is said in a meaningful, genuine way, that does turn this into a salvific issue. This is then lumped in with, you know, how we get saved. And that's definitely not the case. I do agree with you, though, that um, in that there is a bit of a 
a caveat for historical Adam and Eve. I think that one might be a little further up the ladder in a different category as well. Uh, But by and large, this is for me as well. Yeah, we can have some room. We can have some room for interpretation. We can have a conversation, a dialogue over it. But let's not, you know, I don't think we should be breaking fellowship with people because of creation views. Agreed. Agreed. And for me, the thing that I've realized in going through this, because there there is some irony in in this, that I used to be the guy that wouldn't, I would not go out in public and talk about this stuff. I was very uncomfortable when hmm. we first started the how-to series. It was uh, my ministry partner, Ant, that was the one that was like the lead, the, the driving force behind mm. us doing this and all of that. And the thing that that's really come about for me is when we, when we put everything in its proper context and we say, okay, sure. This is part of scripture. Sure. We have to acknowledge this. Sure. Let's have some, some rousing dialogue around the campfire about this. Awesome. No problems. When mm-hmm. we can put that there, then that opens up the dialogue for us to be able to start to ask other questions around this concept that Hmm. do more to illuminate the character of God than trying to nail down a specific six-day narrative or a specific um, metaphorical narrative or something Mm. along those lines, whichever direction you're hitting it from, because I think there's flaws in a lot of the different directions that try and nail down a specific narrative, because the reality is, is we just simply don't know. But when we open up the door to, for those of you that that have heard me preach you guys i'm sure have been keeping the stopwatch of how long until the words kingdom of god comes out of, it comes out <laughs> of his mouth well here you go um and if you haven't welcome to a synopsis of most of the time when i preach um <laughs> when when we look at from time of memoriam this idea of a continued um giving of dominion to creation from the creator we see this active theology of the kingdom of God that's present from Genesis straight through. This is not just a post-Jesus thing. This is something that's present from the beginning. And so when we step out from, I have to be right about how this all plays out, then we can take a look at, okay, so what's happening here? What are the events that are uh, transpiring? And we can take a look at how God is interacting with man and realize, well, wait a minute. This is the same thing, just with different players, just with different circumstances, Mm -hmm. just with different situations that we see from generation to generation to generation. Okay, now reset the stopwatch. We'll see how long it takes him to get back to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I think, and I, at least for me, I think this is going to come up more as we start getting into some of these qu- questions that mm-hmm. honestly, if we can get away from just nailing down a literal timeline, if we can mm-hmm. maybe 
stop trying to be obsessed with systematizing everything and we can pull back and look at scripture more narratively as a piece of literature words that are sometimes kind of scary to certain groups of Christians. I think we see something bigger here. And a lot of that does come back to, as you were saying, our understanding of the kingdom of God and what God is doing here on this earth. Yeah. So, and that's where things like relationship come in. And that's where things like mm -hmm. the big picture come in, where you can take a look at it from the big story standpoint um, because I think sometimes when we think about thing, words like literature or story or mythos mm-hmm. or things like that, that those things are automatically associated with fake or fabricated or fiction. And, and that's just simply not the case. Words mean things, though, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily mean fiction or fake. So with that in mind, speaking of fabrications and fakes, uh, is the biblical creation story literal? Let's just get the big the big one out of the way first. Is the creation story a literal event that occurred? So I think when you look at the accounts of creation in contrast to or in comparison to scientific research. I am of the opinion, and I will state this because this goes along, this goes along with what I said before that I hold a lot of this stuff loosely. Mm-hmm. I, I may be wrong. This may be a literal six day, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not see it as a literal telling of an account as if it were a scientific book. I think there's a lot of evidence that would uh, imply age that a literal interpretation does not allow for unless you Mm -hmm. go down the road of um, creation that has implied age, that that God created Mm -hmm. it with that it was already aged and all of that. Sure. Um, I, I think that there are components of the creation narrative that were written in a way that would be understandable for the people in the context in the time and gotcha. all of that kind of stuff. I think that there are aspects of Jewish mythology that are very present within the understanding of the creation narrative as as it's written and all of that. Um, I also look at all of that and say, well, wait a minute, you, you read some of the aspects of the creation story and man, that sounds a whole lot like the big bang theory and all of that kind of stuff, just mm. in different writings and different, in different perspective. Now that one's gotten me in trouble with a lot of Christians over the years, but that's, okay. <laughs> um, but, but no, I, I, if, if, if forced, I would say, no, I, I, I think that the, that the book of beginnings for those of you that don't, that's, that's what Genesis means is the book of beginnings. Um, is getting at way more than trying to tell a very finite specific story. Okay. I think for me, I am like a six-day creationist who is very comfortable with admitting that there's probably some evolution going on in this story. Um, 
and I, I'm also with you on this idea of I'm very willing to admit that I'm wrong, that I could be wrong, that I don't have this all correct. Um, when it comes to the literalness of this story, for me, when you pull back and you look at the rest of the book of beginnings, you look at even Exodus, you have this reoccurring theme of order out of chaos and birth narratives beginnings, mm-hmm. right? And so if there is anything that I think we can comfortably say is literal, or at least I'm willing to comfortably say is literal, is this idea that God did something, brought order out of the chaos, and started this whole thing. He birthed creation, birthed this world, birthed humanity. Is there, it, it, did he literally speak and it just popped right there. I guess I'll just have to go with the good old fashioned Ken Ham. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Um, I think, though, we can look forward to John chapter one, where we hear that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I think there's supposed to be a parallelism going on there that in the creation process, God spoke. i a little bit more of a I'm willing to take that as a literal thing. But I guess when it comes right down to the actual mechanics of did God speak and then pop, it was all there? Or was this the a process over time, like evolution, or you were saying the Big Bang Theory? I guess we'll all just really find out for sure later on. But for now, I'm a little bit in this place of I think some of it is literal based off of how the rest of the scripture works. Um, but as you said, there may be a little bit of poetic language. I know that comes up a lot, especially with Genesis 1, a little bit of poetic language, writing Moses is writing in a way that would make sense to his original audience. Yeah, I, I would I would have to give the same caveat that you gave, that um, in some fluid measure of events, God did something. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, so so. Whether or not that happened in six days, six years, a billion, whatever. Like mm-hmm. the the. I I think part of where we run into trouble as human beings is when we try to put the confines of space time to an act of God. Mm. that that i think is is almost always uh problematic okay. and but but understandable because those are the only means in which humans can conceive of trying to nail down a specific position on a thing sure and that's part of why um while i have like I said, opinions, there are measures of this where I'm like, I don't know, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable in the world of metaphysics and mm. discussing that there are parameters outside of what we conceive as space time. And if anything in Christianity right now, particularly here in the United States, we need more Christians and more pastors who are willing to say, yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. like there is, we have a finite understanding of how these, how these events happened, 
how God operates, this is all too, this is all much bigger than us. Right. And we need to move away from what previous generations did of this is it black and white. Right. I know. Right. And I know it all. You know, we need to be moving away from those things. Absolutely. Why are there two creation stories in Genesis? So it would seem as you go through the creation narrative that there's one that is um, less detailed and one that's that's more detailed. Um, It's it would seem like this is trying to um, almost convey multiple perspectives of creation in an effort to um, display what exactly is is happening here. Because in the midst of this, you have um, you you have this picture that's being drawn out of the God of everything, the creator of everything, then creating people, then creating things, then giving dominion, then, you know, and, and, and systematically creating this structure that would seem like as we, we, when we have the, the grand picture of creation, it then brings into focus in the midst of this grand creation, we are then displaying, okay, so I'm creating image bearers and then creating the things that they will have dominion over. And this is, this is the, the broader context in which this 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 is what inhabits this universe this the that i am creating sort of thing okay so if i'm understanding you correctly we have these two narratives chapter 1 and chapter 2 um one is more detailed than the other but it also gives us this um this process god goes through of creating an order creating image bearers and then giving dominion to those image bearers. And that's why we have these two stories. Am I following you correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. this is it. The, the way it would seem like it's structured is that both are trying to give different aspects of the picture of who God is, the relationship between God and man and what the, the purpose in which God created man and woman, because that same purpose is pulled through, through to Jesus, post Jesus, and so on that man was created to enact God's preferred will. And that that's true even through to Christians today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's also important to realize that with, okay, let's say you just have chapter one. 
mm-hmm. you don't have chapter two. Okay, you read chapter one, you get to chapter three. Who's this Eve person? You know, again, kind of like boiling this down a little bit of to a literary analysis. Like you get rid of chapter two. Who is this Eve person? This person right. who then, you know, sets everything into motion, takes the first bite of the forbidden fruit, and then Adam takes from there. From my vantage point, without the context of chapter two, women are then even more demonized than many Christians have already demonized women, you know, without the context of chapter two. Now, if we just have chapter two and no chapter one, I think we can all agree God has created humanity. But chapter one is really the part that goes into the more of the detail of God creating all of this. And we lose that. And chapter one is also where we get the Imago Dei, the declaration of let us make man in our own image. I don't think that is reiterated in chapter two. I could be wrong and feel free to fact check me. Um, So without that, when we lose chapter one and it's not if it's not reiterated in chapter two, then you know, the Imago Dei, understanding that we are all made in the image of God is a big part of our understanding of why we are why we are image bearers, what that means, and also value of human life as well. So even though right. it may seem a little bit repetitive, there is a there is a need for both chapters, whether it's for context or as you're saying, understanding the larger plan that God is putting into place here. Yeah, and whether uh, I think this is true regardless of of how literal you take everything, um, one, two, and three all build off of each other, and then from there into four, you get the the generations post Adam and Eve and all of that. But that that chunk that is the creation you you are watching as a progressive story is being unfolded from beat to beat to beat Mm -hmm. and if you look at the entire process that entire process is trying to tell a larger story even within or or even if you aren't looking at it from this event happened this event happened this event happened this event happened when you take the larger themes of each section it is still one continuous story mm-hmm. from one straight through three yes yes we we need all three chapters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some people may argue we just need chapter three because sin, but uh, we, some people may argue that we just need one in three, honestly, but it is a progress. As you're saying, it is a progressive story that builds off of each other. Even if it is yeah. a little repetitive, even if we might not understand the absolute literalness versus, you know, metaphoricalness of the passage, we need all three. We got a little bit of time left here for this episode, so let's knock out one more. 
similar to the first question, uh, can we take the early parts of Genesis seriously? Now, I have a couple thoughts about the question itself. I'll save one for here in a moment. But obviously, I don't know what this question is referring to specifically as the, quote, early parts. So for me, I would understand early parts as like chapter one through maybe 11 or 12. Once you get to the call of Abram, I would say that's moving into the next section. But anything from like creation to the Tower of Babel, I would say is the early parts. Would you would you agree with that? I would, yeah. Why we so when we were doing this, we created or we deemed this the mythos of man. Okay. Because as a whole, this is the earliest part of the book of beginnings, and as a chunk, kind of gives an origin story of sorts. Mm-hmm. For the earth, early man, all of that kind of stuff. What and what man did with an ability to choose and all of that kind of stuff. And so when we look at the continuity of scripture, we see that Jesus is referencing huge pieces of this early part of scripture Mm -hmm. and something, something like 75% of the new Testament is just quoting the old Testament, something like that. Um, That, that number might not be exact, but it is a very large portion. And that's part of why we wanted to demystify the old Testament as, Mm -hmm. as much as we did, because so much of the scriptures is is the Old Testament just either recontextualized, reiterated, quoted, something along those lines? Mm-hmm. So, because this still shows and picture of the heart of God, the character of God, the relationship between God and man, and all of that kind of stuff, regardless of what interpretation you have, it is still trustworthy because it is a part of scripture. Even if we don't have exact historical pieces to say this or that and parts of Genesis, we absolutely do. So it's not like we have zero uh, historical or archeological evidence Mm -hmm. for Genesis but there are p- giant pieces of the early days where no, we don't. But mm. that aspect of proof text isn't necessary for taking it seriously because if we go through, and I draw that parallel p- parallel directly to Jesus because for a lot of Christians, the story picks up with Jesus. That mm-hmm. the, the Bible becomes trustworthy with Jesus. And so even if you are only taking Jesus into consideration and you are not taking the Old Testament into consideration, then you still have to find the uh, the Old Testament trustworthy because Jesus found it trustworthy. Yeah, and um, 
for those of you who are hearing some of this for the first time, I would encourage you to go back last week's episode. The dialogue I had with Christian Ashley was about our relationship with the Old Testament and answering very similar questions broadly of the whole Old Testament, like what value is there in reading books like Leviticus and why does this matter to us? And a lot of what we had to say in that episode is exactly what Joe is saying here of, well, Jesus talks about Jonah. Jesus talks about Noah. The Old Testament is quoted all up and down the New Testament. Paul talks about Abraham being justified by faith in Romans chapter 4. Later, he talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Like, we we do need the we need the context of the old testament we do need to take it seriously i'll uh, i'll throw i'll throw one out controversially sure. for for folks um i i remain ambivalently unconvinced i think regarding the um Regarding the exact specifics of Noah, okay, and the flood, um, I think there's a lot of poetic language to be had in in Genesis, and whether or not it's a worldwide flood, or it's a localized flood, or whatever, mm-hmm. um. I, I I think the older that I've gotten, the more that I realize, while a lot of different societies have a flood narrative story, and at some point something had to originate it, it, mm-hmm. it, it started someplace. Um, and so I think I've come, I've come closer to, yeah, I could see a world where that, uh, where that happened more so than before I used to be like, nah, I don't buy it sort of thing. Hmm, okay. Um but but regardless of what exactly Jesus very directly references Noah at certain points and the fact that something happened. Mm-hmm. Not to mention there are geographic changes that have happened over the years that could be attributed one potential answer could be a flood state Mm -hmm. yeah and i think uh this kind of takes me to the other other thing i wanted to say about the question itself is this word seriously um in the uh in this episode with christian ashley like i mentioned there was a question of like should what how should we value books like Leviticus. And I I harped on that word value as well. And it's words like value or uh, seriously that I think speaks to a very like this very consumeristic mentality that we have Mm -hmm. with uh, Christianity here in the States of like, if I can't read it and apply it to my life within an instant, is it really that valuable to me? Right. And the answer is yes. This is what we talked about of like, even if you can't just like TED talk your way out of a passage of scripture, um, it points us to, you know, the holiness of God. It's talking about the book of Leviticus. You know, it points us to the holiness of God. It 
it deepens our understanding of who God is and our own depravity. And when it comes to this conversation, this dialogue of, uh, you know, should we take the early parts seriously? Well, even if it is all mythology, even if it is all poetic language and not a word of it actually happened literally, yes, we should still take it seriously because it reveals God's heart for humanity. It reveals God's justice uh, towards sin. It reveals um, countless things about our own state as human beings and our value towards God. So even if it is all just Jewish mythology, yes, we are still supposed to take it seriously. It's somewhere in the New Testament that what was written before was written for our learning. And that was written specifically towards the law, towards the Psalms, towards the Old Testament as we understand it. And so, yes, we should take it seriously. It's here for us, no matter how literal it may be. Yeah, I uh, and and I'll, I'll leave it at this. The the more time that I've spent in the Old Testament, the less I've come to trust people that that approach this in in a way like they've got it all figured out or they they've got the definitive stance. Because when you are focused solely on a definitive stance and and that this this mode of thinking is it, unless we find some gigantic archaeological or historical piece of evidence which i am i remain unconvinced that we ever will um uh, unless something of note changes then then you're missing you're missing the point whatever mm. whether how how exactly you read it is the minor note in all of that, the majors in all of this, just like the majors in the Bible as a whole is who is God? Who is Jesus? What did Jesus do? How do we engage with this? And from there, everything else is, is built from that. I agree. I definitely agree. Well, Joe, this has been a really great dialogue. Uh, my, final thing i want to ask you is this um so for people listening who maybe they've held genesis very tightly or maybe they've as you have been exploring in kingdom on the road the seeing people who are actually very like intimidated by the by the book of genesis what would be your final word of encouragement to them um i to both i would say engage with the whole story because the entire story illuminates what the point is of scripture as a whole and better equips you for being able to go through the challenging parts regardless of whether or not it's challenging because you come up you come from a background where this is held with a tight fist and this has to be true otherwise the whole thing falls apart um I, I, if if the entirety of your theology falls apart on whether or not the earth was created in 6 days or not um i would strongly encourage you to take that to god that's not for me to to, to make any inferences off of it that's that's above my pay grade the best thing i can tell you is pray about that and be willing to do some academic digging on what exactly theology prime is for folks that are intimidated by it 
allowing for the beats of the whole story allow for you to understand that from Jesus on, it was the personhood of Jesus displaying the heart of God. But it's the same heart of God that you see on display through two-thirds of the scriptures before Jesus ever hits the scene. Yes, there are complicated things. Yes, people did some really dirty stuff in the Old Testament. We literally just got done talking about Dinah, quite possibly the Ah. most complicated of Old Testament pieces. But the reality is, is that even though all of us, even through to today, are complicated, are um, prone to missing the mark, we can then look at this entire breadth of humanity and say, oh, okay, this is the God that has been present among his creation for time immemorial. I I don't think I could say it any better myself. And uh, he did not say the word kingdom. So I guess the stopwatch is still going. But uh, thank you. Thank you again for being here, Joe. I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your thoughts on creation and dialoguing with me about it today. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode. As always, you can go into the description to find links to all the important things. Rate and review the show if you haven't yet already. You know the drill. You listen to the show. Or maybe you've never done it before because you you know Joe. You think he's great, so you've never heard it before. Hi. Welcome. Glad you came. Um, share this episode with a friend who you think might get something out of it or may find some encouragement to dig into uh, Genesis a little bit deeper. If you would like to support the show financially, you can always head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash mslpod and leave a one-time donation or join one of our support tiers. Uh, Everyone who supports the show at $9 a month gets a shout out here on the show. So thank you, Lori, for supporting the show. We got a lot of other great dialogues coming up in the next over the next few weeks over the next few episodes gonna be dialoguing about the bible the gospel other very difficult questions but until next time this is brandon signing off reminding you as always that theology is for everyone so keep on studying